I'm going to go get my podium, and I'm going to bring the word to you. I'm kind of excited. I hope you're settled in. I almost wore my pajamas today, but I thought it would have been inappropriate. But you get to wear them. I know some of you, you might be dressed up in your, your tie and your suit, maybe uh, your Sunday best. But the Sunday best for us is putting on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, uh, loins girt about with truth, uh, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and the shield of faith by which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the devil. You know, these masks and these gloves that the medical care people are wearing to protect themselves, their shields. But the Bible says God encompasses us with favor as with a shield. And he, his presence brings things to us like joy. Like this is what I'm praying today, that even if you started watching this broadcast kind of panicky, I, I pray the Prince of Peace will visit your home and bring settledness to you. Uh, if you have symptoms, I just pray by his stripes, Jesus is your healer and that his healing power, which knows no bounds, will reach right into your situation and deliver you from the panic and the fear of it, the anxiety of it, and that God will bring healing and strength to your body, fortify your immune system, strengthen your, your lungs and your heart, your kidneys and your liver. I pray the healing power of God throughout your body. I pray your intestines would be healed. Your systems would be healed. Inflammation would leave. We might as well trust God for the big fullness of everything he supplied. He, he healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. You know, I wasn't alive in 1916 for the Spanish flu, but people endured. And in uh, 1950, the early 50s, the polio tragedy, I, I did grow up hearing about it. I grew up right near where Jonas Salk in La Jolla, California, uh, figured out the, uh, the vaccine for polio. So I grew up with the awareness that there's a people group of research scientists that are working hard for, for society, for people, for citizenry to, to fend off disease. I'm happy as I grew up that that terrible disease that impacted so many people, the President uh, Roosevelt and the, the pop singer Neil Young and uh, the, the wonderful Dodie Osteen, they, they all dealt with polio. And I, I'm just thankful that that got eradicated. I'm thankful that we can win in these things. God is faithful. We will pray. So. You know, society and the leadership has exhorted us that social distancing is, is beneficial right now. So we first, we who enjoy liberty and enjoy our mobility and our cars and accessibility to things, all of a sudden, you know, have been given a stay-at-home order. So, you know, it's like this is unfamiliar territory for us, but yet it makes me think about people in the Bible, like, like Paul the Apostle, when he said, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your peaceful, gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. And don't be worried about anything, but pray about everything. And whatever is true and honorable and pure and right and lovely and worthy of praise and so forth. He said, think on these things. And he said, and the God of peace will be with you. That's very connecty type stuff. But you know, he wrote it when he was in quarantine. He was in a confinement in a prison cell. He also told Timothy, that was at Philippians 4, and Timothy, 2 Timothy, he said, you know, I'm a prisoner and uh, in chains, uh, treated like a criminal. And he said, yet 
The word of God is not imprisoned. So I think about the suffering church and other nations that haven't enjoyed the freedoms, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech that we in our republic have been so enriched by and I hopefully never take for granted. Right now it's temp temporarily suspended and then it makes us aware of the people that are confined. I've been praying for those incarcerated that uh, God will protect and cover the men and women that are behind bars right now uh, serving time. And I just pray wisdom on their superintendents and their leadership. And I pray they would be protected. God will give wisdom to our society to know what to do for that group of people. We pray blessing. We want to not forget the people who maybe made us a mistake. And that we just pray coverage upon them, coverage upon them and healing in their lives, healing in hospitals, healing in your household, healing in your neighborhood, in Jesus' name. I'm going to read a scripture, and uh, it's a psalm, Psalm 91, only has 16 verses, and it's profound, and uh, it talks about living in a quarantine with the Lord. He said, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High we're called to stay at home right now. That's dwelling in the shelter of our home. And they're telling us there's a benefit to it. Well, here's a benefit to drawing near into God's presence and being in felt close fellowship with him in prayer and spending time in his word. Like this, doing church, getting a, getting a download, listening to a sermon, doing our own personal study of the chapters of the Bible. We get the value of it. He said, you will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. One time I was being picked on in junior high. What, what's new, you know? <laughs> feel like you have a kick me sign on your back <laughs> through junior high. <laughs> they call it middle school now. But I had a friend named Tony. Tony was a head taller than me. And uh, he had a beard when he was 12. He was, a, he was an early bloomer. I was a late bloomer. I still looked like I was seven. And I was getting picked on, but Tony was big, you know? And... Uh, Tony would show up. He, he and I were buddies. We lived over the fence from each other. And he would, I remember his shadow one time when somebody was picking on me, and there was Tony's shadow. And I thought, oh, what's that? Oh, there's Tony, who I, temporarily, I guess I need a bodyguard. Well, Tony showed up, and Tony wasn't rough. Tony was a gentle giant, but just the fact that he was big and, he, you know, defined muscles and a beard, you know, the other guys knocked it off. And Whatever's picking at your life right now, you're living in the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty has something to say about whatever's coming against you. Whatever's making you worry, God has answers for it. Whatever is troubling you, you know you have the assurance. You dwell in the shelter, in the secret place of the Most High. And you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He has your back. He has your sides. He has your, he, his righteousness goes before you. The glory of the Lord is your rear guard. Goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. He's, he surrounds you with his angels and camping around you. And you'll see in verse 11 more about the angels. But it says, I will say to the Lord, and I want you to say this. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, say it, my refuge and my fortress, my fortress, my God, my God, my personal heavenly father in whom I trust. Look at that. He just stops and he affirms. God, I acknowledge that you are personally in my life. I have a personal relationship with you made available through Jesus. And I surrender to that. Verse 3 says, For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. 
He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. Under his wings you may seek refuge. See, in our houses we have to seek refuge because of by a mandate of our local, state, and national federal levels. We want to be compliant with that, but I want to comply with the word. And it urges us, you can seek refuge in the Lord. You know, the Bible says, the wicked flee when no one's pursuing, but the righteous are bold as lions. First Peter chapter 5, it says we're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God in verse 7, casting all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. It says, be of sober mind, be alert, be sober. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your brethren who are in the world. You and I are not alone. In fact, right now, not just in the bi-state area, not just in North America, not just to California, to Cancun, to Kosovo, but all around the entire planet, people are trying to figure all this out right now. And I want to tell you, this and these truths, this God is faithful. The God who empowered a young shepherd boy to stand up to a giant named Goliath. That's your God. The God that parted the Red Sea for Moses and the people as the exodus out of, of ancient Egypt. That's your God. The God who performed miracles through Jesus with a man with leprosy and all manner of sickness and disease. He, the, the, the leprous man was an outcast. He wasn't even supposed to be in the crowd. He was supposed to be quarantined. And yet Jesus put his hand on his head and said, I'll, I will be healed. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to encourage you that he's the Savior who saves, and he's the healer who heals. I'm, in effect, doing an aspect of what it says in verse 2. He, he's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God in whom I trust. Pull up the remembrances of the time the Lord saved you. If he could save you, he could heal you. If he could heal you, he could heal others. If he could answer somebody else's prayer, he could answer your prayer. If he watches over his word to perform it for Jeremiah and Isaiah and David and Paul the Apostle, he can do it for you because of his sameness, his consistency. He never changes. He told the Jewish people, he said, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, will not be consumed. God has protected the great Jewish people. God has done something great to draw the dispersed back to their homeland of Israel. And he has an everlasting covenant and he's faithful. And, the, and this is an amazing provision. This is so wonderful. He says he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek, take refuge. His faithfulness is a shield. That's what covers us, is the confidence that he'll show up. And a bulwark. He said, you will not be afraid. Say that with me. I will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day or of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. See, Christians are exhorted to put their faith in the unseen, to bet our lives on these unseen realities. It's peculiar to some people. But right now, in the reverse, this is an invisible, I heard people say this on the news, this virus is an invisible enemy. So this gives believers an understanding that even though you don't see something, doesn't make it not real. God is invisible yet real. His word is profound. The angels are encamped around us and we walk by faith and not by sight. He says, uh, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. 
You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. I pray protection wherever you may be. In Southern Europe, in Mexico, in California, in Kansas, in Missouri, Illinois, Arkansas, Iowa, New York, all through California, all through Florida, all around the nations, wherever you are, I pray the peace of God would come into your life right now. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I personally have had a benefit directly from this truth. I've been in so many situations at this season of my life, and God protected me. God has been with me. He's with you. He doesn't pick favorites. He loves you with an everlasting love so much, and he cares about your situation. He really does. The angels will bear you up in their hands so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. Now, this speaks of spiritual authority, particularly when we pray. And these are uh, like, we remember the devil is like a roaring lion. So we literally have a spiritual battle on our hands, but we tread upon them. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. One of the reasons Jesus came in 1 John was to destroy the work of the evil one. This is definitely part of it. Because he has loved me, he said, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me. He's describing you or me, a believer. These are things he'll do for those who love him. And I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Wow. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the scriptures. Thank you, Jesus, for the peace. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in households right now. Those of you that are a bit in the older category, maybe you have some what they call preconditions, don't get, don't get freaked out. God loves you. I pray you live to be ridiculously old, fit, solid, healthy, you know, I was with a friend. She's 81 years old. She's an all-terrain vehicle. She was walking up and down hills and strong. She's been trusting God that she'd be strengthened throughout the course of her life, that it wouldn't, she wouldn't get decrepit. And uh, it's evident in her life. And uh, that's what we can trust God for. He knows us from our birth all the way to our last breath and for eternity. And uh, he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. Before, before you were formed, born, I knew you. And he knows the number of days we have. With long life, he'll satisfy you. Say it. With long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. Amen. So I want to give you a little message now. And I want to just, uh, you say, well, what have you been doing so far, Pastor Jeff? I've been giving you multiple messages. And uh, I, I just feel that I must. I, I'm called to shepherd the flock, and uh, to feed, feed you the word. Uh, nothing substitutes for our own personal uh, nutrition. And I got up this morning, and I read, and I studied, and I prayed, and that's what we are all called to do. The more we mature, the more responsibility we have with that. But I'm responsible as a pastor to lead and to feed, to communicate the word to you, 
and uh, I want you to organize your thoughts around this amazing, I've got an amazing little snapshot from the Bible. I want to talk to you about the benefit, what you gain from waiting, what you gain from waiting. We've been uh, scratching our heads. Why would we have stay-at-home orders? Why would we be told to work from home? And why would our kids be sent home and school districts closed? Why, why the, we're asking the why of it. And, and I couldn't wrap my head around it. Maybe like you at first, is like, what? And then they said, well, it'll decrease the height of the curve. And they talked about Korea and they talked about Italy and so forth and how places that put the, implemented these uh, strict uh, drawings of the line, it helped so that the systems weren't overwhelmed and things like that. So I started to realize that the gain will help with the inhibition of the spreading of the corona COVID-19 virus. And so uh, I just realized that that's something that we should do. Every responsible citizen should do it. And I saw the that once you see the value of something, you're willing to buy into it, you know, and not defy it and not be cynical about it, you know, and not try to override it. So I want you not to be cynical and not try to, over, to override this, but Isaiah chapter 40, I want to go to what he said about the value and the gain of waiting upon the Lord. We're told to wait at home and wait this out and we'll get a good result. And we pray in the meantime, God protects our economy, your jobs, the food supply, your peace levels, your marriages, your outlook. I trust in God on such detail and I, I'm looking forward to the breakthrough. It says in Isaiah 40, verse 27 through 31, it starts out with Israel, Jacob, complaining, feeling despondent. And God has to rebuke distrust and melancholy in his people. Like, like there's this pessimism. He said, why do, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me has escaped the notice of my God? What's happening is Jacob and Israel were Kind of, kind of being melancholy, kind of questioning, like, does God really even care? Is God overlooking me? Does he even know my, does he even know where I am? Does he even care? And he says, why, why would you say that? And then he says, do you not know, verse 28, have you not heard? Do you not know? A lot of people don't know. A lot of people haven't heard that one of the names Isaiah gave God twice, gave Jesus, was Emmanuel, which means God with us. God for us and not against us, it says in Romans chapter 8. That's one of the de definition, defining elements that underscores God's virtue. He is present to help in the time of need. And he says, don't you know that? Haven't you heard that? He says, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Like I'm struggling to find who the real experts are on viruses and things. But God is absolutely inscrutable in his level of wisdom. He's the most, he's the high, most wonderful, most worthy, most brilliant, most pure, most honest, most holy. There's no one like him. He's trustworthy. Don't forget it. Psalm 121, 1, he said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. Notice this, the maker of heaven and earth. The maker of heaven and earth is the one I put my trust in. And he says, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. There it is again. 
does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary or power to the faint, it says in the King James Bible. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Oh, I'm so glad that he doesn't just subsidize us when we're doing great, but that he's there to help us when we're struggling. It's not a performance-based scenario we're in. We might be doing great. We might have a, be doing a difficult, but God's love is undiminished, he, and his presence is constant, and his promises are yes and true and always there. He said, though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. You wouldn't think they would, but they do. Yet those, look at this, who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Now, we're told if we wait in a quarantine situation, that it will abate a lot of aspects of the spread. It will bend the curve. It'll aid our medical care people, the respirator ventilator situation. You guys have studied this. You don't need me to talk about it. I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking about the good shepherd. I'm talking about his healing help. But if you just look at that as it is, that has a gain. It will produce a societal gain for us. It'll slow down trouble. Well, conversely and additionally, they that wait upon the Lord will gain. And we're, right now we're called to hurry up and wait. How many times have we gotten ready to get on an airplane and we're standing in line and you know, we're bumping into each other and, and sometimes we let people go. And I, I, routinely I've, I've traveled with business types with their, their roller bag and, and they'll, they'll say, let's hurry up and wait. And we laugh. And, and uh, then, then you know, if I'm sitting in a seat in front of them, if I'm in row 20 and they're in row 22, they'll say, well, you're going to get there before me. And I said, yeah, you know, we just laugh about it because we're all kind of hurrying up and waiting. And that's how we feel right now. But not in this situation. When we wait upon the Lord, it's not just idle. It's not procrastination. It's not, it's not idle laziness. It's not like, what are you doing? Waiting on the Lord. God's called us to be doers and be active. But what does waiting mean? It, it means a couple of things. It means confidently resting securely in his amazing capacity to help us. Constantly resting assuredly, trusting, relying, leaning on him, acknowledging him. One of my favorite scriptures is written in Proverbs chapter 3 by Solomon, by the Holy Spirit. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Yesterday, I was waiting on the Lord as I prayed here from the morning till the sun going down. Pacing out in the parking lot, pacing in the church, pacing in the lobby, sitting, laying down, kneeling, all whatever, waiting on the Lord. Not in some sort of religious holy thing, but just trying to get direction from God, trusting God. God, I'm looking to you. Jeremiah 33, 3, you said, if I call to you, you will answer me and you will show me great and mighty things that I do not know. So when we wait upon the Lord, we're, we're like we just did in praise and worship, we're, we're serving him. We're serving up our praise and worship. We're serving up our tithes and offerings. We're serving up our sacrifice of faith and prayer. And he's looking to us to look to him and have this, this amazing uh, moment right now. Get our eyes off of all of our worries and cares. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated right now at the right hand of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you don't grow weary, you don't lose heart. Jesus went out ahead of us. He was tempted in all points as we, yet he never sinned. 
And he is a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. He loves us. He's faithful toward us. And when we wait upon him with confident faith, we come to him. Actually, in Isaiah, there's another verse where God tells us to come and he urges us to pray, to let our petitions be made known. This is hard for a lot of us, but he even says, command ye me. And translators have sort of downplayed what that means. It doesn't mean we're telling God what to do, but it does mean we're to draw near with confidence regarding his promises and bring, hey, God, this is, I'm standing on your promises. And I believe that you are going to answer my prayers and you're going to cover my kids and you're going to work out my finances and you're going to cover my scenario. And God, I, I know you know more about the future than I know about my past. And I know my future is sure because you've gone out ahead in it and I am going to trust in you. I am going to rely on you. And I thank you for that. And when, as I wait upon the Lord, I gain new strength. You'll mount up with wings like eagles. I was sitting in this bay window on a Tuesday fasting and praying, which is my habit. And I, I come and I spend the day seeking the Lord and I study over in the window bay. I open up the blinds so the sun can come in. And along comes a giant bird. And sure enough, as it darted past the building, it went down to about four or five feet. I couldn't make out what kind of bird it was because the, the silhouette was was being uh, offset by the, the backlight, the intense light of the sky. But when the bird dipped down below to where the, the uh, monarch levee height is, then I saw the contrast, and for sure I saw a white tail and a white head and a black body. It was a big, beautiful American bald eagle. And it was banking, and then it went up and soared over the levee into the woods. And I felt like, Man, that's my God. He's restoring my youth like the eagle. He'll help me to mount up with wings like eagles. I got a living illustration right out the window there. Blessed me so much. The first time I ever saw a bald eagle in my life, the bald eagle was flying over this building. And it just made me think about members of St. Louis Family Church. These scriptures pertain to us. They pertain to every believer that you will mount up on wings like eagles. You will run and not go weary. You will walk and you will not faint. So that is the benefit of waiting on the Lord. I have just a few more scriptures for you that I think will help you. I think this will secure something in your thinking. Isaiah 25, 9 says, And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Lamentations 3, 19 through 26, he said in verse 25, he said, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. It's good. He's good to those who wait for him. When we wait for him, what we're saying is we depend on him. We're trusting him. We're not trying to do it in our own power. We're relying on him. God, I need you. God, I want you. God, I love you. God, I trust you. God, I stand on your word. And it pleases him, the person who seeks him. This is a great moment for us to be able to practically seek the Lord. Get out on your porch, go into your hall bathroom and lock the door for a little while. If it's the only bathroom, don't stay in there too long, open and let other people in, but find a place in your house to just connect and, and wait upon the Lord. Start your day, I've been doing this for years. Just get a devotional, get a psalm, get a, get a chapter, get the word in you. Do it at night, too. You don't know which is going to bear the fruit. I found that if I get the word in me right before I go to bed, it actually helps me to ponder that when I go into my subconscious sleep. So 
Here are some key verses that I'm just going to lay out. You could look these up later. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. This is what I'm saying today. You wait on the Lord, you'll gain. You'll gain. Psalm 25, 3, it says, Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. There's a satisfaction guaranteed in spending time with the Lord. We've got some time on our hands. What should I do now? Binge watch lost? No. Pray for the lost to be saved. You know, should I binge eat? No. You don't want a bunch of empty carbs right now. Now's the time to get some abs. Go do some planks. Put your Bible there and, and read the Bible. Read the whole New Testament while you're doing planks. That'd be amazing. You come back with abs. Psalm 37, 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. He will exalt you to inherit the land. He'll get you up into a high place as you get yourself up into his high place. He's inviting us to draw near to him, to his beautiful presence where there's fullness of joy. Psalm 40 verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. And that is what I believe. I waited for the Lord and he heard me. I waited patiently for the Lord and he plucked me up out of the miry clay. He's done it before. He did it in the Old Testament for the Jewish people. He did it in the New Testament for the early church. He's done it throughout the thousands of years since, and he's done it in your life and mine, and he'll do it again. He'll do it in this context. He is faithful. He's faithful to give you guidance and wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he will give wisdom. He'll give you guidance to know what to do. I've got situations I'm facing now, frustrating, difficult things, some that keep repeating, and it involves other people's free will, and it's like, what do I do with this, Lord? I know for sure God will give me help. I'm not controlling God's God, but I want to know what I have responsibility over. I'm going to trust him with the outcome, but I'm going to be rigorously authentic. God loves truth in the inner man, so I'm coming to him with honest truth. Just you come and pray. You tell him if you're afraid. David said, when I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in you. You tell him if you feel carnal or callous. Say, God, here I am. But yet you're faithful, and I, in a moment, you can change me. You turned Saul of Tarsus into Paul the Apostle on the road to Damascus, a 180-degree turn. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you're considering him right now, this was the kind of context as a teenager in Southern California in the early 70s I got saved in. It wasn't a contagion where we were all quarantined at home, but it was hard drug addiction. There was ethnic strife amongst races. There, was anti, there were anti-war demonstrations. There was a lot of conflict. There were issues with the ecology, with the air pollution. There were, there were some many social ills. There was a fracture between generations. Different, but same as, but different in cycles. So here we are. Why not give your heart to Jesus? It's the best thing you could ever do. So I'm going to close with Psalm 62, verse 5. It says, my soul... Wait in silence. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, wait in silence for God only. For my hope is from him. And then look at the rest of this. 
He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. Say that. I shall not be shaken. Boy, that is good. Let's continue in verse 6. Verse 7. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. They see, that's the assurance of a believer. What's the gain of us being quarantined and social distancing right now? The CDC and other professionals have told us that it, the gain will be that it will slow down the spread of an infectious disease. What is the gain during this time of physical social distancing? What is the time of the benefit of us drawing near and waiting on the Lord and seeking him? The gain is that we will gain new strength. I pray that for today. I've been praying about this service. It's no coincidence you've, you've uh, dialed into this. And I pray this is substantial for you. This is real for me. This is a make-believe. The last thing I want to do is blow a bunch of smoke and a bunch of false hope. I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's in Psalm 27, right before where it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. I'm basically saying to you, trust in him. Pray to him. Spend time in his word. Pour through some pages. Where do I start, Pastor Jeff? Psalm 91. Psalm 27. Psalm 23. Psalm 1. Read the Proverbs for wisdom. Read the Gospels and see how Jesus healed, healed, healed everywhere he went. We need to function with that awareness and be about our Father's business and focus on his priorities of loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves. There's this gloves and mask and people are running to get the giant jumbo toilet paper and fighting over it. I heard a story yesterday of a person who went to one of these big box stores and he's a little overweight so he couldn't sprint and he, he tried to get over to the boxes and before he could, Everybody had already just, they ran past him, got all the boxes, got all the toilet paper. One of the workers saw that and said, sir, I've got some smaller packages in the back and I'll give you one, you know. And I just feel like when you're trusting God, patience comes. When patience comes, the Bible says, in patience, possess your souls. It'll help us not to be uh, contributing to the irritability of our time. Love considers others and not just it being all about me. Love is actually very unselfish. Love is considerate. We're to consider and prefer our brothers and our sisters. It doesn't mean we forfeit everything. We've got to take care of ourselves and be diligent. I want to make sure you know what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. What I am saying is this. As we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, as we wait on the Lord during this time and use it, write down visions and goals you have. Get some things done around the house. If you're creative, draw a drawing or paint a painting. If you're musical, put on some ambient music in the back. Get the vacuum cleaner. There's nothing more romantic sounding to your wife than if a man, when the man starts vacuuming the carpet. Help in the kitchen. You know, just this is time to clean up the garage maybe. Remember, you actually have a garage for cars. You could actually clean that up, put your car in it. Uh, stuff like that. And just spend time in the word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to set this aside now. I'm going to step up and I want to pray for you before we finish. Father, I pray for the people that are watching this right now that you will reach into their situation 
as we're waiting upon you, they literally feel that they're gaining new strength. I pray that the strength that God supplies would offset worry, the confidence, the peace, the settledness that comes in your presence. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His his mercies and compassions never fail. They are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. The Lord is good. He exalts those who wait on him. Those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the land. I pray supernatural protection, the the fending off of fears, the healing from heartache, deliverance from temptation. God, I pray people that are susceptible to wanting to numb themselves on substances, alcohol or drugs, they would be set free from temptation. They did a breakthrough. This would not be a relapse moment. I pray, God, marriages would harmonize. Love would abound. Peace would come. I pray, God, those of us who have embraced Jesus, our faith would become extremely practical. And God, I pray if there's the three categories of people, people out there have never surrendered their life to Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He came God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. Jesus came to save us from our sins. Two reasons he came. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the work of the devil. The devil disrupted humanity, brought temptation. Humans used their free will to to run from God. That's where that indifference, that's where that callous, that's where that shallowness, that secularism, that's where that lostness comes. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the result of that is separation. The collateral damage is distance and separation, but then eternal distance and eternal separation. Jesus didn't want that. God didn't want that. He wanted to save us, not just lifting us up out of the miry clay and putting our feet on a rock on a daily basis, but in the big eternal basis. You can call upon the name of Jesus, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I heard that, it seemed childlike to me, and it is. It's not childish, it's not dumbed down, but it is childlike. In fact, the Bible says, unless we humble ourselves and become like children, we will not enter the kingdom of God. And God's made it very, very essential for us, very simple to us. But again, not dumbed down. This is very deep. This is the most wonderful, worthy message of all the physical, all the intellectual, and all the theological world. This is the message of good news. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bring liberty to the captives, recovery to those who are bruised, to bring the opening up of blind eyes, to restoring fallen people back to a holy God, not on the basis of our work. You may be in an environment where you think, if I just do all these things, and now everything's closed off where you can't do all these things. But here's what we must do. You must be born again, which is 
Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you in my life. I humble myself. I receive Jesus as my Savior, and I receive Jesus as my Lord. You may be a believer, and you've been away from God, and you're like, man, I do need to get back on track with God. What do I do? Well, first, you're doing this. You're watching. That's a first step. That's an indication that you are seeking God, or you wouldn't have even watched this. You say, well, I feel like I'm hopeless. No, there's hope for you. God really deeply loves you. God's not mad at you. God's been waiting for you to come back to him. And that as you return, the Bible says Jesus is a good shepherd. He would leave 99 of us sheep just to go get you. One time my little brother, when he was a toddler, trailed off when my grandmother was walking us through a canyon behind our house in San Diego, California. It was undeveloped and and there was a there were rocky cliffs and sandy cliffs all around, cactus and sage, sagebrush. And my little brother started toddling real fast and going off the edge of a cliff. And my little four foot 11 grandmother let go of my hand. I was three years older and I stood back farther. I didn't know how to react fast enough. A little toddler just shoots off. And I saw her do a like one of those slides into home plate like the famous baseball players do. It was my little sweet feminine grandmother. She slid on her on the gravel and got all scuffed up with, you know, nicks and scratches and grabbed him by the leg right before he went over. And uh, Jesus, he would, he would go to great lengths. He would go to great lengths to bring you back. He is going to great lengths to bring you back. Plug back in. Don't just go to the church of your choice. Go to the church of God's choice. Ask God where he wants to plant you. Maybe here, maybe there. You might be in another state. Pray about where the Lord, the head of the church, would have you plant into a local church so that when we do, no this, this social distancing uh, uh, mandate is lifted and we're able to come back. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling, which is the habit of some. Part of the way you make a comeback is right now in prayer with your own personal commitment, your own personal time in the Bible. But then also, man, there's some assembly required. And, and once everything gets restored, find a good church. Find the church God sent you to. Go there. Plug in. Be the best prayer person, the best giver. Be the best member of that church. Serve. You know, be there every time there's a meeting. Take notes. Be in prayer. Third group, business owners, moms and dads, single people, people who feel isolated. You might be in a hospital or an extended care environment where your family can't visit you. Well, I'm visiting you, and I want to encourage you, whatever you're facing right now, church members, people that this was forwarded to. God is so big and so pervasive, an ever-present help in the time of need. The I pray, first category, Save us and we'll be saved. If you need Jesus to come into your life, you humble yourself and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your life. Mean it. Only if you mean it. That intent, that that rigorous authenticity is recognizable to God. He desires truth in the inner man. Be honest with yourself. Say, I need you, Jesus. This is foreign to me. I don't quite get it, but I know I need you. You've been away from God. Rededicate your life to Jesus right now. Rededicate your life to Jesus. Say, Jesus, 
I completely understand that I need you. Help me to find my way back to you. Help me in your word. Help me to get that mustard seed of faith. Help, my, help me to see my mountains move. Last category, this includes me, all of us. We need a breakthrough. If you're at home or stand on your feet, if you're driving your car, put your phone down and get both your hands on the wheel. Don't look at this phone, but listen, I'm gonna pray for you. Heavenly Father, they that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. We see the value that as we seek, we will find. As we knock, the door will be open. As we ask, we shall receive. And I ask for a healing power to flow. I come against infectious disease. If there's anybody that's listening to this that is infected with coronavirus, I pray their lungs would be helped. I pray their breathing would be helped, that their systems would be right and supple, that their immune systems would respond properly, that they would, they would get the full benefit of any medical care provided, and they would come out of this with a great resilience. They will live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. I come against a spirit of fear that would be fostered, and I pray for a supernatural breakthrough of healing and of blessing and of love and of joy and of hope. God, even when we don't see it or feel it, it's working. God, even when things look overwhelming, we can look to you and our hearts will trust in you. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Breakthrough in Jesus' name.